Hello and welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Krisinoki. I'm an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo with students from all over the world to help them achieve their college dreams. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your platform of choice. Please subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. Please leave us a rating as well as that really helps this podcast to reach more people. And if you would like to send along feedback or you have some questions that you would maybe like to have addressed or topics that you would want to have covered on this podcast, please do reach out to me directly at tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. That is tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. I also wanted to highlight a couple events that are coming up in the next couple weeks. So one is this coming Sunday. It will be at from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Japan Standard Time. So that will be a little bit early for everybody in the U.S., but it is going to be on May 21st. That is a Sunday, 6 to 7 p.m. Japan Standard Time, and it will be an info session on identifying your X Factor. I talked a little bit about the X Factor in last week's episode. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it today, and the session will focus on that. We will be having a guest. Our head of research, Max, is going to be joining us for this talk to talk a little bit about the value of independent research and how uh, independent research can really help you stand out for college admissions. So he'll be joining that to share a little bit about how high school students can pursue published high-level independent research and how to leverage that to uh, improve your chances of getting into a competitive school. So that is going to be a great talk, a great conversation. Uh, please come with all of your questions. And the way to go to register for that is go to tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events to register. And if you cannot make it, that's fine. If you register you will get the recording of the session. And if you are new to Tokyo Academics, we will be reaching out to you to schedule a free one-hour diagnostic session as well on top of that. So that's one thing. That's May 21st. The other thing coming up in about a month, June 18th from 7 to 8 p.m. If you have kids who are a little bit younger, we're going to be talking about boarding school. So this is the everything about boarding school application and there will be a panel discussion led by myself. Max will be there as well, as well as the boarding school team lead and team manager. May and Azusa will both be there to kind of talk through trends that we've seen in recent boarding school applications and in recent boarding school, what admissions officers are looking for, so on and so forth, and the value of boarding school to maybe improving your chances of getting in, as well as what steps you need to start taking because boarding schools, especially for international students, are going to continue to be a very competitive space. So that is something to be considering as well. All right, so that will be on June 18th from 7 to 8 p.m. Japan Standard Time. So again, a little bit early, sorry for those of you who are not on the East Asia coast, but I hopefully if you sign up, you again will be able to, uh, you will be able to get a recording of the talk and hopefully that will be helpful to all of you as well. All right. Okay, uh, today I wanted to spend a little bit of time continuing my conversation around the X Factor. Last week we talked a little bit about the importance of weaving, right? This idea that you need to take your interests, these disconnected interests that you may be excelling very well in, but 
the col what colleges ultimately on some level are looking for is your ability to be reflective, to be thoughtful, to think about what are the skill sets that I'm gaining from this particular activity and is there some way to transfer that interest, that skill set over into something else, over into a different field that I potentially also am interested and to engage in that type of interdisciplinary interaction, that type of interdisciplinary weaving to develop a set of uh, interests that are truly valuable. Okay, and so I wanted to go a little bit deeper on the philosophy behind this. Last week, I kind of talked about why on the surface level, it's interesting just because statistically, you're more likely to be unique when you are doing things interdisciplinarily, right? Because most high school students stay in their lane, right? Because that's the that's how their whole high school is structured. All of your classes are distinct and separate. All of your clubs are distinct and separate. There's not a whole lot of cross-class, cross extracurricular activity interaction going on. So most high school students who graduate, their activities list is going to be a bunch of silos. Okay. And I think that, um, so on a pure, how do you become a little bit more memorable perspective, there are those pieces. But I want to dive a little bit more into the why of it all, um, not just on that level, but on a personal development level. One of the things that I am hearing from admissions officers, especially with all of the things that are emerging right now, right? The move to test optional, the introduction of chat GPT and all the, all the ramifications that that may have on the college essay, the ways in which college applications are very much pay to play, which I readily admit that I am part of the problem there, right? Like these, these access issues are really making it so that it's increasingly difficult for even a well-trained admissions officer to look at an applicant and discern what is the student's authentically what is their own right and what is not and so with all of that right there is going to be an increased emphasis on authenticity there is going to be increased emphasis i believe on the interviews right on the interview process because i do think that while interview can be trained for at the end of the day the student still has to perform and as uh, someone who has worked with teenagers for 15, 16 years now, I can tell you that within around 30 minutes, a skilled instructor, a skilled admissions officer, a skilled admissions counselor can pretty much get a, can, can get a pretty accurate read on the kid and how they are going to fit or not fit in a particular community. Right? And so I do believe that those pieces are going to be increasingly important. Right. So how do we prepare for those? Right. Of course, there absolutely is just straight up interview training, which is pretty meticulous and very involved process. But I think it's more important, far more important for a student to go out and have a by the time they are applying for college, have a lived life. And one of the most important parts of that lived life is failure. Um, and I think of failure as kind of a core key ingredient that I think a lot of schools, a lot of families, and of course students have strayed away from or have moved away from recently, uh, and not even recently, forever. Uh, growing up myself in local school in Hong Kong, and, uh, and you know, I think that there was a huge thing of like, <clears throat> even a B plus is a failure. Like we keep defining failure at these higher and higher benchmarks. But I think that it is a key ingredient to 
just to being a reflective, mature, well-adjusted, self-aware, and increasingly more confident adult. And so part of the reason why when I work with students, I always push for this weaving and I push for this unconventionality in terms of how they are building their story is precisely because it introduces an element of failure into their high school life um, with actual stakes, right? Um, I think that the the fear of, of getting a B minus, the fear of getting a C plus, sure, there are elements there, but I think there is something very different when you are going out into the real world and you are trying something and you are messing up and you have to learn from it and you, grow, and you have to grow and you have to get better. And it is kind of the yeast of all of this, right? Failure is kind of the yeast of a student who is going to be a strong competitor for a, uh, a competitive college. It grows, it expands. This is the thing that helps a student to rise, right? Um, it is this accelerator that is really, really important because I think that many international students in particular, because of the general family background that they're a part of, because of um, where they are, they often are surrounded by success and also barriers to protect them from failure, right? You have tutors to make sure your grades get up. You have um, all of these, all this technology. You have teachers who maybe will inflate grades a little bit to help ensure these different sort of things. You are set up for success. If you ask for anything, you are likely to receive it, right? All of these things are helpful, right, in terms of getting to yes, but they don't give you as a student any experience with getting to with what happens when you get a no, right? And as a result, you don't go through the revisions and the changes and the iterations that are necessary to change things from a no to a yes, both externally and also internally. And so this process of weaving is important because weaving your extracurricular activities, thinking about creatively thinking about how to weave your extracurricular activities becomes important because there's a ton of risk involved with all of this. So let me give you an example. Um, one of the things that I like to do with my students when I'm able to, of course, right? Like if they're in Japan, then I will try to do this, uh, is that I will uh, meet up with them um, near their home or near their school and we'll go do a walk. Right, we'll just do a walk around their neighborhood. And by this time, I've usually gotten to know the student pretty well. So I have a sense of their interests, the things they want to get involved in, all those sort of things. And the reason I take, we do this walk, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll also do like a Google map search, right? To just kind of map out the immediate few blocks around a student's places of high frequency visiting is I always want students to try to engage locally. I always want to try to get students to not just do the amnesty, do the Habitat for Humanity, where you are raising funds to help kids in some foreign country far, far away, and that's great. But have you taken the time to identify the needs that are around you, right? Have you taken the time to identify the needs that are immediately present? And so we'll do these walks. And um, on one of the walks, I was working with a student who was very interested uh, in uh, agribusiness. She was very interested in business, but she was also very interested specifically um, in sustainable uh, sustainable farming methods and sustainable agriculture and produce. 
right? Which makes sense. We, as the adults here, have left a terrible world behind for our kids. So a lot of kids now are also increasingly interested in some of this. And so as we were doing this walk, we're going around and we started noticing a pattern, right? Every couple blocks, we were coming across a someone who was selling blueberries and had their own actual like blueberry farm, small, small acreage, right? Not even acreage, probably small, like square meterage. And, uh, and, we, and we kept noticing that the, these, that they had these little blueberry farms, um, and they would have like a tiny stall in the front where they were trying to sell their stuff. And so as we were walking around, we started talking about this. We're like, oh, have you noticed this before? And the student was like, oh, we haven't. And I said, well, why don't we go talk to them and see if there's anything that they need that we can help out with? And the student was immediately resistant. Like, who am I? I'm just a teenager, right? Um, you know, my Japanese is no good. What if I go talk to them? It's so embarrassing. I don't even know what I would ask, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And so we, I gave her some tips. I gave her some quick kind of like, maybe you should try this, maybe just, but talk, go talk. And so we, we came up to um, one of these stalls, one of these farms, and I kind of dragged her in and I said, hey, hi, nice to meet you. Um, I have, um, you know, my friend here is very interested in uh, agricultural business and would like to just ask you some questions about what you're doing and what your challenges you might be facing and go. And I basically shoved her off into the deep end, right? So she gives me this, this huge glare, but now the farmer is standing right in front of us, right? So um, there's nothing to be done. We have to engage in conversation. And so she stumbles through some questions and collects a little bit of information. Um, and, uh, and we go through that whole process and it's like 15 to 20 minutes. It was, and it was an interesting conversation, but after we finished off, we started to walk away and she basically, she like me in the opposite. That was dumb. Why do we do that? All right. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so uncomfortable. Right. And I was like, okay, those are good. Tell me more. What do you feel like you could have done better? If you knew that we were going to do this, right. What would you have done better? And so as we're continuing to walk, we start to brainstorm better questions, start to brainstorm like all these other things that we could approach, right? What did it seem like? And just even based off of the information that she had gained, right? What sort of um, problems did this particular farmer seem to have? And I was like, that's great. I'm glad that we're talking about all this stuff because you're going to do that at the next one. She's like, no, what are we, what are you doing? And so we go walk to the next one and I go, and it was so fascinating to see, even though she continued to glare, even though she was just like, why, I hate, what are you doing? This second one was so much better. There was an immediate improvement in polish, in the specific specificity of the questions she was asking, in her pointing out different things and asking questions about the physical farm itself, right? All of these things. And she walked away from that. She was like, oh man, that was still rough. And I was like, okay, let's talk about it. What do you want to get better at? What do you want to talk about? And so we did that with all of these. And then we sat down with all of these blueberry farms and we sat down and said, okay, here's everything that you've, we've gathered from today. What does it seem like the big challenges are? What does it seem like the big issues are? And as we were going through it, she was like, well, it seems like they are, um, you know, that they are all trying to sell independently and so they're kind of competing with each other and as a result their prices seem to keep seem to be very low which is good for the consumer but it makes it really hard for them to make a living right 
and she had just been studying in U.S. history about unions, right? And so she was like, oh, what if, right? I'm like, we're not starting a blueberry union. We don't, what is even that, right? But we were like, what are some similar models to a blueberry union that we could talk about, that we could think about? And one of the things that immediately came up that is very common, especially in the agricultural space, is this idea of a co-op where certain resources instead of competing against each other and having everybody try to build them out themselves, they are, they're shared. And so we braised this and she was like, oh, that's interesting, but that sounds like such a huge undertaking. I'm like, okay, I agree. That sounds like such a huge undertaking. Who in your school, who in your parents' circle, who do you know that we can contact to try to get this to happen, right? Or who may have some good feedback, right? Because like, I, never, I would never claim to be some type of business expert or entrepreneurial expert, right? Who do you know? And we listed some people, right? And I was like, okay, great. All of these people, you're going to go talk to them. She's like, what? That's so uncomfortable. Like some of these people are my dad's friends or my friend's parents, right? Or my friend's dad, my dad's friends or my friend's dad's. Like, I, this is so weird. And I was just like, no, you have definitely, you've already shown you can kind of do this, right? It's going to be rough. It's going to be awkward, but you need to go ahead and you need to do this. So we started setting up these appointments. We started reaching out to all the different people and she received a ton of no's. She received a ton of like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you trying to do this? You don't have a whole lot of time. Can you please focus on your studies? Da, 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 da. Right? But as she was starting to build it, it was fascinating to see as she started to get a few yeses, or, or she started to get a few yeses if you can fulfill these other requirements, her start to increasingly take ownership, right? And as we were going through the session, and from session to session, she was coming in and rather than me be like, well, what about she was just gushing with, okay, I had this conversation, I sorted this thing out, how can we move this forward? I, I had this conversation with, I brought all the farmers together, we had this conversation, da da da, and just she started to take control of the whole program. And as a result, we were able to, over the course of kind of around nine, 10 months, we were able to put together a small but successful blueberry co-op, right? Where the farmers shared resources, where they shared advertising, where they were able to set prices at a certain point and then kind of share the revenue in a meaningful way. Um, and it was great. And what this kid now has done is... She has gone through the process of creating real world impact, right? It's not a mark on her, it's not a grade on her transcript, right? It's not something that is going to show up there. But in terms of her character, right, the resilience, the executive function, the time management, the delegation, the ability to juggle the needs of 15 to 20 people who are much older and more experienced than her. Right, to engage in meaningful, thoughtful, mature, action-oriented conversation with all of these adults. And then to find a way to channel the resources that have made been made available to her with the knowledge that she has gained from her exposure, and then to make a tangible solution right, that has left a meaningful impact even when she leaves in a way that combines her interest in agriculture, her interest in business, right? Her histor her learnings from US history and her own kind of creative approach. Like all of these things end up adding up to create this very interdisciplinary output that not just weaves things in a way that is going to stand out in a pretty remarkable way to admissions officers, right? But 
watching her grow, right? Watching her become better, watching her become more mature, watching her become、um, more confident, right? And to the point where she has no fear when talking to talking to adults now and asking what is necessary for them, right? From them, right? All of that is. Phenomenal, right? And very, very important. And so I think that those character pieces, right? That those、um, elements of having to have experienced the potential of failure, or even experiencing failure itself, and then having someone to work through to reflect, to process. What did that mean for you? What do you want to do better? Right. Instead of having failure as this theoretical concept that you should just be in fear of. By her tangibly experiencing it, she now can tangibly act to be better, right? In ways that are specific and unique to her, and in ways that when she talks about it in an interview, when she talks about it in her essays, when she talks about it,、um, when she's trying to convince others to join whatever next new awesome cause that she does, right? She's going to be great, because the irony is that failure. Has actually shown her how much is possible. A lot of people think of failure as this huge limiter. That failure is your dead end, right? But going through failure and then improving and changing pushes out the boundaries of what you are capable of. Because whereas previously she had said, "Oh no, I can't talk to a random stranger adult." That's All she does now, and she's so good at it. She's so compelling. She's so confident. She's so organized and concise and effective. Right, her definition of what she herself is capable of and what she herself can tackle has gotten bigger because of these initial failures that then were turned into success. And so, what this weaving, what this kind of trying to. Be more creative with what you are doing with your extracurriculars. It structurally forces in a situa- situations where you're going to mess up, where you're going to be not good enough, right? But you're going to want to keep trying, right? Grades have a finality to them, right? You take a test, you mess up. Sure, some students, some teachers will offer a retest, but like that's it. Real world projects. Right, real world goals, real world things, don't end at the first failure, right? And so you have these opportunities to revise, to edit, to improve, to rethink, and become better. And when you do that, you are stronger, you are more confident, and you are more the type of student, the independent, mature, reflective, thoughtful. Impact-minded student that any college is going to look at and be like, I need that kid on my campus, right? And so, think about that. Think about what areas can you take risks in, where you can work towards a big, big goal, where you can dream big, and as a result, aim to try. To experience the failure and the challenges that will expand what you are capable of, right, and test the limits of what you are capable of, and in so doing, right, help you develop into a person who is going to be successful in college and beyond, right, 
but in a way that is happening at a point in time where you need to, where being able to demonstrate that is going to absolutely distinguish you in the application process. All right. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusinoki. We hope you enjoyed today's little storytelling time on the importance of structured, deliberate, intentional failure. Um, Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this, support me, support us, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. We also, as mentioned, do regularly host events in person and online right so again there will be that college talk on going deeper into kind of stories and case studies similar to what i just talked about today right this coming sunday may 21st from 6 to 7 japan standard time and if you sign up you will get the recording if you are a first uh, time newcomer to tokyo academics you will also get a free diagnostic session with our team so please do sign up and check it out and hopefully we will see you there. You can do that at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's it for today. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Hopefully through a little bit of failure. Thank you.